chapter uh, 4, Revelation chapter 4. We'd like to uh, look at a couple of things found in this chapter. It's such an enjoyable read. It's just fun to read it. And it's so inspiring and so honoring as we find that John, after he had witnessed that glorious vision of the Lord in chapter 1, and it's there's some similarities in wording, but there is great similarities between that and the fifth chapter of the Song of Solomon. As we go down through that list and we see all the glorious aspects of uh, our Lord Jesus Christ that John got to witness. And then, as it is carried out in the second and third chapter, how he appeared to the different churches, and then once again we just get to see a composite of the Lord Jesus Christ and all his glory and splendor. And uh, I, I just am refreshed every time I read that and refreshed every time I read that Song of Solomon chapter 5 as the uh, daughters of Jerusalem ask the bride, uh, what is so important about your beloved? And that's just a quick trip. I, I think uh, uh, Wayne down there at Central Point mentioned Gene was down there and asked if Asked Gene if he had preached twice while he was up there, and he says, that's just like saying Sikkim to a hunting hound, you know. So uh, looking at that just is a, such a delight. It's warming. It's just like sitting in front of a, a fire in the, in the wintertime. It's just warm. It warms your soul to read about the Savior, the Lord Jesus. Now, here in the fourth chapter of the book of Revelation, we find that John has been taken from that first scene and he is privileged as our brother Saul was, Saul of Tarsus, Paul, to view things in heaven. Now I've read that again and it's amazing that the Lord prevented him from sharing that vision of what he saw in heaven. But he encouraged John to write what he saw in heaven. Our God is sovereign in his revelations, and he is sovereign in what we get to say about his revelations. Whatever he reveals, sometimes what he shares is for us. And sometimes what he shares is to be shared. Sometimes we just get to see a light that causes us to warm. And that's just to see uh, the Lord Jesus in the scripture in a very special way. Fourth chapter after this, I look. John has went through, he's written those letters, and he's been so diligent to write them just like God gave them. And we know he did because the Holy Spirit gave him the words to write. And they were recorded in the book. And we get to enjoy them. But he was diligent in writing those letters and making sure that they were delivered to those seven churches. That was important. God intended for his word to be delivered to those seven churches, and his servant John was diligent in delivering those letters to the seven churches. Now, what they did with them, we have little information. But that's not important. What we do with them in our generation. Now, that's important. What they did with them, we can't change it one iota. What we do with them, and that's 
that's valuable and that's important and it's our delight to enjoy the various messages of Christ in there, the various ways he shared himself with those churches, uh, the way he presented himself, and then the encouragement and admonitions that he gave in there. We realize it's only by the grace of God he'd ever stop anywhere and share anything with anybody, just like that blind Bartimaeus, the sun stood still and visited with him. And he's uh, now all new. Uh, after this, after these letters, and behold, a door was opened in heaven, and the voice which I heard was like a trumpet. Now, this is the same trumpet he heard earlier in this book as he's sitting there on the Isle of Patmos. Uh, he is not there on vacation. He is there for preaching the gospel. And he saw more in his exile in this book than he had previously while in exile. Now, he's in the Spirit on the Lord's Day. And I was thinking about that, uh, being in the Spirit. And we're going to read that in just a moment. But what is it to be in the Spirit? What is it to be in the Spirit? John was in the Spirit on the Lord's Day. And we're going to find out he's going to be in the Spirit again. What is it? Well, we are confident as we go into the scriptures, we're confident that when God blesses us with being in the spirit, there is one thing that we have in mind, and that is to glorify Christ. It is not to glorify self, and it is not to build self up, but it is to glorify Christ and to glory in our Christ. That's what it is to be in the spirit and to exalt God. We find that the prophets of old, when they were in the spirit, when John was in the Spirit, when Paul was in the Spirit, when God's people are in the Spirit, and that is every time we think about the Word of God as He is presented and we're in the Spirit, we're going to glorify Christ and we're going to exalt God. We're going to see Him high and lifted up. We're not going to see Him as the world presents Him. We're going to see Him as the Word of God presents Him. We're going to see Him as the preachers of old presents Him. And we're going to see that grace is in salvation. When we're in the Spirit, we have no time whatsoever for any of the theories about how men are saved. We are confident in God's Word when we're in the Spirit. God said it, and His Spirit is testifying about it, and we will. Be confident that it is grace that saves his people. For by grace are you saved. We're just confident in that. We just don't have any discussion over that. And we also realize that when we're in the spirit that Christ is all. He is all our hope. He is all our peace. He is all our sanctification. He's all and in all. He is all God ever gave. And he is all that we need. <laughs> And he's all. I'm just impressed with what we read with regard to the Passover lamb, that not one bone was broken. And when that relates to the Lord Jesus Christ, you must have him all or not at all. You must take him in every one of his attributes. To shun one is to shun all. They are bound together. You must have all or you will not have any. Then... We find when we're in the Spirit, we confess, I'm only a sinner saved by grace. When we're in the Spirit. 
John's in the spirit. Abel was in the spirit when he offered that lamb. And he's telling us without reservation, I am need of a substitute. I am a sinner in need of a substitute. And this lamb typifies my only hope and my only substitute, and that's the Lamb of God, which takes away my sin. So we have this in the Spirit. So he says here in verse uh, verse 1, I heard as it was a, a trumpet talking with me, and uh, we mentioned last week, that's just a uh, trumpet, the sound of a trumpet, it gets our attention, gets our attention. And we don't have time to try to think up arguments with God when we're being spoken to. It, it's such a resounding, brilliant, overwhelming word from God. We just are compliant. <laughs> we comply with his word. He said there, come up hither and I'll show thee things which must take place after you wrote those letters. <laughs> we're not going to be speaking all together about things that are going to take place in the future. We're going to be talking about things that are present with a few things. The coming of Christ the second time is in the book of Revelation. But other than that, we need not to know the times nor the seasons. That's what he told his disciples. They asked, he referred, and then he also shares with us that only... Uh, a very poor and adulterous generation seek after signs. So we're not looking for signs. We're looking for Christ coming the second time. We're not looking for any buildings to be built and any sacrifices to be made and any earthquakes to come and any fires and roars and rumors of wars. That's just a commonplace thing that happens in our world since the world began. You talk to Abel. He met with war. His brother rose up against him and slew him. There was wars and rumors of wars in Abel's day. And it's here today, and that's not a mark. It's just the way human nature is. And it will be here until the end. In verse 2, and immediately I was in the spirit. I was praising God. I was lifted up. I was exalting my Savior. I was thinking of him as my all and in all. Let's just back up there to John chapter, excuse me, Revelation chapter 1 verse 13. You can't get away from this if you've seen it. John couldn't get away from this. My goodness, he has seen the Lord in his glory with words that are with, uh, uh, with um, attributes that's difficult to describe. They are just glorious. He can't get away from this. This would put you in the spirit, whether you're in the Lord's day or not. He said there, Revelation chapter 1, and it says, <clears throat> verse uh, 12, And I turned to see the voice that spake with me, and being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks, and in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one like unto the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the foot, and gird about the paps with a golden girdle. Here is his high priest. And you can't get away from this. Once you've seen it, you can't get away from it. And you don't want to. You want this. 
You want him. He's the answer to every issue. He's the comfort in every turmoil. He's the blessing in every day. Even in the night seasons, we meditate upon him. And so John says, his head and hairs were white like wool, wise. Oh, he's our counselor. He's our counselor. And his eyes were a flame of fire. Now that's not discouraging. That's a joy. Boy, you can find him at night. <laughs> he opens his eyes. You find him at night. And he knows all. He knows we have a high priest that can be touched with the feelings of our infirmities who in all ways was tempted as we are yet without sin. Now that will float your boat. That's so good. He knows. And then he goes on to say here, and his feet likened to fine brass as they burned in a furnace. And his voice is the sound of many waters. I'll never forget Brother Bob Coffey mentioning that verse of scripture with regard to the three Hebrew children in the burning fiery furnace. And he went right over here and he says, he's been there with us. And he's been there in our place. And he met judgment. He was in a furnace a furnace that God ordained he stepped into so he could relieve every one of his children from sin. He was there. And he had a voice, the sound of many waters, and he had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword. You that can draw, sometime draw this, and you'll see a monstrosity if you look at it in a literal sense. He had the word of God coming out of his mouth. Every word that proceedeth from the mouth of God. The word of God is important to God. The word of God is valuable to God. And he imparts it to us and reveals his son in it. Now this is what John has just seen. And then he just heard these seven letters. And now, can it get any better than this? And it did. <laughs> He's caught up into glory. And what he sees is so describable about the glory of God. Let's just go back there to the fourth chapter and see what he sees. He saw, verse 2, a throne was set in heaven. Now that's what you see when you're in the Spirit on the Lord's day. A throne, a king. And one sat on the throne. And he that sat was to look upon like jasper and sardine stone. And there was a rainbow round about the throne in uh, sight like unto an emerald. And I read another translation that made that, said it was a halo around the throne that looked like an emerald. And uh, uh, it doesn't take us much to go back to the Old Testament and find out why God left the rainbow anyway. He had a covenant made promise and this is his promise every time we see it he'll not destroy the earth with water like he once did that's his promise but here and we're going that's our verse we're going to spend on tonight and there's three stones there and if you go over to the book of exodus you'll find all three of those are on that breastplate of the high priest but i look at this and it, it delights me to see the number of ways that god shares with us 
that there is a Father, there's a Son, and there's a Holy Ghost. And these three are equal. And we're going to spend some time on that tonight. Round about the throne were four and twenty elders. There were four and twenty seats, and upon the seats I saw four and twenty elders sitting, clothed in white raiment, and they had on their heads crowns of gold. Now that's just a wonderful picture of the church. Saints in both old and new eras. And out of the throne proceeded lightnings and thunderings and voices. Now that will catch your eye too, won't it? It is not wicked and evil and preparing for doomsday. This is the glory of Almighty God. It is the glory of God. I was told this last summer that there had been more lightning strikes in California recorded than any other time in history. And it was because California got same-sex marriages. And I said, did you know that lightning is required for us to exist on this earth? If it didn't lighten, the oxygen supply would not be here. And when we start looking at things like that, this is a sign God's judging the state, then we have to be careful because when we fall down and Hurt our eye. <laughs> What's God beaten me for? So let's be careful. This thundering and lightning is just an exaltation of God. It's just a crown of glory. It's just a get your attention. Lift up your head. For your redemption draweth nigh. Catch the voice of God. It's so clear and plain. It's over every other voice that's out there. It's the voice of a trumpet. It's the voice of lightning and thunder. It's just another way of saying God can get the attention of his people wherever they are. In the deepest, darkest jungle of Chicago or out there in the wilderness of New Guinea. He will. And he can get their attention. He is able to get our attention. And he speaks in such a way that he does that very thing. Now let's, uh, you read the rest. It's such a good read. And go on to chapter 5. That's so good too. That's just a good read through there about the glory of the Lord. And then in chapter 6, go on, go on and read chapter 6 too. It's so good. Oh, to have one open those seals up. My goodness. Lion of the tribe of Judah hath prevailed. What glory we find in this. It's just nice to sit in his presence because he can do anything and nothing thwarts him and nothing stops him. And even when John wept, says, oh my goodness, it's over. Nobody, oh my, Lion of the tribe of Judah. Don't, we doubt sometimes God's ability but someone comes along and says, oh my goodness, the lion of the tribe of Judah hath prevailed. And we just secretly say, I knew it all along. <laughs> you know, God is so good. Let's go back here to these, these three stones in verse 3. And he, had, he that sat 
was to look upon like a jasper. It's a, it's a, a translucent rock. Now, I don't understand all I know about jasper, but I do know this. These three stones speak highly of our God. And then Sardon. And there's another word in here we're going to find a little bit later, Sardis. And then it's found, all of these are found in the Old Testament. They're all found on that, that breastplate of that high priest. And two of these, the first one and the second one, are the first one in the rows of, on there. And then the last one, it says, and there was a rainbow around the throne in light like an emerald green. Now, there's so much said in the scriptures about the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And this is just one other way of saying it. On the throne is the Godhead. Now, I don't understand the Trinity. And it's not a word we're going to find in the Bible. But we're going to find the principle of that word found in the Bible. We're going to find three equal ones that are one. They're not three gods. They're one God. And they present themselves as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They are equal in ever capacity, and yet they have three ministries to perform on our behalf. We say this so easily, the Father gave a gift before the world began. And we find the Lord Jesus Christ saying that the Father gave him a gift of people, all that the Father giveth me. And then we find that the Son laid down his life to redeem all that the Father gave him before the foundation of the world, and he promised to do it, and we're going to see in the Scriptures that it is presented in such a way that he was the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Abel had a Lamb, had a Redeemer, had a Savior, before he ever went to the cross because of the everlasting covenant. And then, left to ourself, God could have chosen us and the Son could have died for us, but oh my goodness, we need it applied. We need to be quickened. We need to be regenerated. And the Holy Spirit in his infinite power said, I will do that. I will find them. Now, turn with me, if you would, over to the book of Matthew, chapter 28. As we think about the Trinity, we think about the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They are the source of our eternal life. They were all involved in the raising of Christ. And they inspired the prophets and the word of God. And we find that they're, they're called, all call God. And the Lord Jesus Christ, I hear, I hear religious people say, he never said he was God. Then why did they want to stone him? Because he said, for what good work do you stone me? Not for a good work, but because thou hast made yourself equal with God. Now, he didn't deny it. He is God. Now, here in the book of Matthew, we find something that you probably have heard applied to you. I baptize you in the name of, let's read that, Matthew chapter um, 28. 
Matthew chapter 20. And what we are saying when we hear that, when we administer that, what we're saying is we are absolutely, eternally dependent upon the Godhead for our salvation. We cannot leave one out and have salvation. We must have all to be saved. They are equally important. Now, we spend our time on Jesus Christ because that's what God the Father wants and that's what God the Holy Spirit wants. God the Father says, Hear ye him, and the Holy Spirit, when he comes, he will testify of me. Now, they're not saying that we're not as important. They're just saying we get our glory when Christ is glorified. All right, Matthew chapter 28 Verse 19, we read these words, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, and then here is what we're to administer. Now, I'm like Paul. Paul said, I'm so thankful I baptized none of you. Oh, man, those who were baptized by Paul said, Oh, man, that was a spiritual experience. Look what he is now. He's such a wonderful apostle. I'm so glad. He says, I'm glad I didn't baptize any of you except Crispus and Gaius and two or three others I can't even remember. It wasn't important. He did it because God called on him to do it, but he never kept tabs. It wasn't that important. Go down to the Bible bookstore. I guess there's some left in Portland. <laughs> My favorite one, closed. Go down there. You can buy books. Preachers can keep track of how many they won to the Lord and how many they baptized and how many rededicated their lives and how many, and all it is is a book of trash because the Lord keeps our books. He's the one in charge of that. And my goodness, when we get involved in that, oh, man, I gave birth to a baby today. <laughs> No, 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 no. God gave birth to a baby today. <laughs> now, look at this. Matthew 28, 19. Baptizing them in the name. Oh, we got, we got the that uh, three stones mentioned here that are on the throne. Glorious. Oh, beautiful. Without compare. Emerald jasper and sardis without compare and every time we hear these words we are confessing and we are saying that everyone in the godhead was essential to my salvation i cannot cut out one and they're all god and they're all equal and they all have their part their ministry on my behalf baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Now, there are people that took that literal and says, okay, name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. They call dunkards. They go down three times. My goodness, if that is a saved person, it doesn't hurt. I'm not going to do it that way. I'm not going to be offended at it. If they're saved and that's what they want to do, but let's remember why these of the Godhead, these glorious stones of my redemption were necessary for me to ever call on God. 
My Father chose me in the covenant of grace before the foundation of the world. And his Son, my Savior, the Lord Jesus, laid down his life, my ransom, my Redeemer, and my substitute. And there in time, the gospel was brought to me in a pagan land, in a pagan city, central point, God sent a gospel preacher so this dumb preacher, this lost preacher, could hear the gospel and be saved. And oh, to hear, oh, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Turn with me, if you would, if you would, to the book of John 14. John 14. If we think about these three stones, the glory of the throne. I just thought of that a halo of emerald. <laughs> we can't paint that picture. My brother, Ken, got him a new camera. Oh, he's telling me about the pictures he's taking with how grand they are. You know, with the best camera we can take and use, we still can't capture a good sundown. <laughs> it looks almost like that. We can't, we just cannot explain in words that are in our language the glory of God on his throne. Our mouths are stopped. We are hushed in his presence. We just can't put it into words. And here, the best for us is the Holy Spirit says, well, let's just think of it as three beautiful stones sitting on a throne. It's our Father, our Son, and our Holy Spirit. Glory to be to God. Now, John chapter 14, John 14, verse 26, we read this. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. The comforter, that, that word is paraclete. And we got three ladies that are getting up and walking this morning, in the mornings. And they're walking beside visiting that's what this comforter is walks beside us we visit about spiritual things and he teaches us all truth and never is there a contradiction in what he teaches us and he gives us the grace to sift out the bones when we read a book that isn't right. And he gives us the intelligence to sift out the bones when we hear something that isn't right. And Lord only knows there are some places it's just all bone. So you just stay away. But, you know, you read Mike was given some books and he's sharing them with us. If you want to borrow one, go back there and borrow it, take it home, read it, put it back. But even in that, Charles Spurgeon, he's got those little bones that are in the fish. <laughs> Just be careful. Sometimes there's a bone. It's just one of those little ones that's in the fish. We don't know why he said what he said. I'm not in, I don't know, because he was in an era I'm not in. 
We just, unless you're reading the word, just have your boning teeth on. <laughs> but when it comes to the word of God, when it comes to our Savior, oh, just eat. We're not going to have to watch for gristle or bone. It's our delight. He says our comforter, our paraclete, one that walks beside us constantly. And even when an oath comes out of our mouth, he's still there. When we wake up and we're not doing so well, he's still there. He does not depart. He is going to be with his children all the way. He will not leave us nor forsake us. He instructs us, just as he said, he'll lead us into all truth. He'll not feed us bones. Oh, the glory that John saw when he could reflect on the truths that he saw in his Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, and have those things. What did Jesus tell his disciples? Flesh and blood did not reveal this unto you, but my Father which is in heaven, the Holy Spirit used by the Father to reveal the glory of Christ to every one of his disciples. How glorious. And in... in uh, uh, John fifteen twenty six. John fifteen twenty six. It says here, But when the Comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, which proceedeth from the Father, when he is come, he will cause you to speak in tongues. No. What's it say? He will testify. That's the Spirit's honored position. To testify of the Savior to sinners. To interpret the Savior for sinners. To introduce the Savior to sinners. To walk beside us and instruct us about our Savior. And he does that for sinners. He will, as it says there, he will testify of me that's his ministry he'll not be this garbage that we hear about he'll not be lies that we've heard about he'll not be mistruths half truths he'll testify of the lord jesus testify of his sonship of his godhead testify as redeemer of his people testify of the honor and glory that he paid to the law so that we'll not stand in judgment of the law he took it all and he loved it it was his thought morning noon and night and even in the night seasons he honored that law so what we could not do he did his holiness and his righteousness is so perfect in all ways. And he honored the word of God and honored the law that was given to Moses on Mount Sinai and honored every aspect of it, even that which was given to him before the foundation of the world that we know nothing about. He honored it. And his spirit informs us all is well. He's honored the law. Justice has been served. And now walk beside me. I'll walk beside you. And it's not one of these give and takes. We're not dragging behind. He's got a chain on us. <laughs> He's got us hitched. He's 
takes us along. All right, and then in 1 Corinthians 13, would you turn there with me? 1 Corinthians 13. Oh, the glory of God in Christ Jesus. 1 Corinthians 13. Excuse me. 2 Corinthians 13. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. For 2 Corinthians 13, 14. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, of the jasper. Glory of the jasper. The shine. The jewelry. Spiritually, we are decked with the finest jewelry in the world. Gold chain on it. The most beautiful stone. Spiritually, we are decked with the finest jewelry in the world. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And here... Paul said, as he led by the Holy Spirit, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God the Father and the communion of the Holy Ghost be with you all. Amen. Now, I can't get around that tree. That's big. That's a giant. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. I will not get that figured out in this life. And the love of God, I'll not get that figured out in this life. And the communion that the Holy Spirit has with sinners, I'll not get that figured out in this life. But John was caught up to heaven and he saw a throne and on that throne were three glorious, honorable, pleasant, delightful stones. The Father Son and the Holy Spirit. All of their affection for all of God's people. And John got to see it and we get to see it. God in his glory. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Now they are the source of our eternal life. I've got three verses there and three in another place. Uh, my time is getting out. Romans chapter 6. Would you turn there with me? These three glorious champions of salvation. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. These glorious adornments that God gives to us. The glorious, glorious jewelry that we're permitted to wear from our salvation. Promised to us in the covenant of grace. These beautiful stones that have been honed to a brightness that's incomparable to anything that we can see in this life. The emerald, the jasper, and the sardis. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. We are so dependent upon them. 
We need the Holy Spirit to understand the word of God. We need the Savior to be redeemed. And we need the Father that would choose us before the world began or we'd be lost and bound for a devil's hell. We're in need. And he's the supplier. All right. Here, book of Romans. Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. And verse 23. It says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. He is the source of our eternal life. The gift of God is eternal life. Now, turn with me back to John 10. John 10. How glorious these stones are. They are, oh, just stand in front of the mirror. When you go home and look at that spiritual jewelry that he has endowed us with, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and it says here, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now look here, John, John chapter 10, verse 28. I give unto them eternal life. This is the Son's comment. This is the Son's statement. My goodness, these are stones that are so. Nothing like them. You'll not find anything like these on earth. These are hewn from the mountain of God. It says there, I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. Now, turn with me to Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6. How glorious it is that uh, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are so intimately involved in the salvation of all the elect. Not one is left out. And all are dealt with by the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And I give unto them eternal life. Now Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6. What a beautiful Sardis, what a beautiful emerald, what a beautiful jasper as we look through the scriptures and see as God has provided all our needs in the Godhead. Galatians chapter 6, verse 8, it says, For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption, but he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. <laughs> Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are in charge of our eternal life secure secure now turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 14 1 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 14 we notice this these glorious examples that John got to see speaking of the three that bear record in heaven the Father, the Word and the Holy Spirit and these three are one that's what it says over there in 1 John but notice here in the book of 1 Corinthians, chapter 6, verse 14. And God hath both raised up the Lord and will also raise up us by his own power. The Father reached down that day, early the first day of the week, raised up his son. I am well pleased. I am well pleased. 
Now, turn with me, if you would, over to the book of John, chapter 2. John, chapter 2. John, chapter 2, verse 19. Jesus answered and said unto them, Go ahead, destroy this temple. Go ahead, destroy this temple. And in three days, I'll raise it up. The son said, I'll raise myself up. The father says, I'll raise my son up. And I'll turn over to Galatians, if you would. Oh, excuse me, 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter chapter 3. We read, the emerald is involved. We saw the jasper and we saw the sardis now we're going to see the emerald is involved the holy spirit first peter chapter 3 verse 18 for christ also hath once suffered for sins the just for the unjust that he might bring us to god being put to death in the flesh but quickened by the spirit guess what the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit were all pleased with the work of the Son. They all were pleased. The work was well done, and it was finished. And so, as John is caught up, what, what more glorious will he see than to see the throne, and on the throne, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit in Union and communion, redeeming their people from their sins and eternally giving them eternal life. Now that's once saved, always saved. I like what Brother Mahan said about that. Someone says, do you believe in eternal security? He says, depends on who saves you. <laughs> if yourself, no. If the preacher, no. If the priest, priest, no. If someone else, no. If your prayer, no. If your confession, no. If God, yes. 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 And, and there's a whole bunch more, but we'll stop here.